We are today finishing a series that's called The Four Loves. Here in America and in English, when we say I love something or someone, there's only one word for love. But back in the time of Jesus, the Greek language, which was used to write the New Testament, had four different words. And we've already talked about three of those words. The words are eros, which Pastor Alex told us about, and then storge, which Pastor Christian told us about, and then phileo, which Aaron Mielke told us about last week. And eros is sensual love, and storge is family love, and phileo is a best friend kind of love. And the reality about those three loves is they are natural. It takes no special spiritual power to ex exercise eros or storge or phileo. And, and another point about, uh, about these three natural loves is everyone experiences them. Everyone in the whole planet experiences eros and storge and phileo at some point in their life. When Pastor Alex was talking about eros, that sensual love, he gave an amazing illustration. If you were here uh, on the screen, there was a picture of Pastor Alex uh, standing up on a cliff and he jumped off into a pool of water. And what he said is eros is sort of like that. It gives us this sense of ecstasy and excitement and exhilaration, possibly even a little bit of fear. But there's another point that I think is in common with eros that can be illustrated from that that jumping off the cliff thing. When you jump off the cliff, gravity takes over and you are going to end up in the water at the bottom of the cliff, if there's water at the bottom of the cliff. Eros is like that. Once you engage in it, it's really hard to pull back from it. And that's why Pastor Alex reminded us that God created Eros to be experienced in the commitment of the boundaries of marriage between a man and a woman. As Pastor Christian reminded us and showed us, storge comes naturally even to mothers in the animal world. We've probably even seen videos or movies about things like that, how mothers in the animal kingdom will protect their young no matter what. So that's what storge is about. And then Aaron reminded us that phileo is this powerful bond between two people. It's a friendship bond that always has the other's back no matter what. Now, it might seem like Phileo is more like God's love than the others, but all three of those were created by God, eros, storge, and phileo, all created by God. But the reality is this, there's a key point that we need to know about all three of these natural loves. Each can be twisted or abused. As Pastor Alex reminded us, sometimes people who are married end up in eros with somebody else, and because of that strong attraction, they leave their marriage and go be connected to somebody else. A mother's love for her child can become smothering at the one extreme or abusive at the other. And sometimes when we have a deep friendship with somebody else, we can start to become possessive of that. And we don't want that person to be friends with anybody else, only with us. So each of them can be abused. But today, what we're going to talk about is the word that is most often found in the New Testament when we translate the word love. It's agape. Agape, when we say God is love, it's God is agape. So what is agape? We start to see its meaning through today's take-home point. And if you are new here today, we have a take-home point every week. It's the one point we are going to make from the scripture that we want you to take home, want me to take home, and live out in the week ahead. So here it is. When we say God is love, we mean he always does what's best for us at the deepest level. Agape will always do what's best for the other person without thinking about the self. It's a selfless love. It's a self-sacrificing giving. So when a husband says, I love you to his wife, 
He could mean that in the eros sense or in the phileo sense because his attention and attraction are natural and based on benefits to himself, either physically or relationally. But if he says, I love you in the agape sense, what he means is, I will do whatever it takes to protect you, to care for you. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 5, when Paul talks about husbands and wives, he says, husbands are supposed to, supposed to love their wives and it's agape, as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So in that sense, we have only seen agape lived out perfectly in one human life, in the life of Jesus. Jesus is the only one who has lived agape perfectly all the time. In fact, at the end of Jesus' life, after he died, rose from the dead, and right before he went back to heaven, he had a conversation with one of his apostles, Peter. And in that conversation, what Jesus wanted to do was to show Peter that he was accepted back into the group because Peter had denied ever knowing Jesus three times the night before Jesus was crucified. So Jesus and Peter have a conversation. And we find it in John chapter 21. Jesus asks, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Now, in English, we only have that one word, love. And probably Jesus spoke to Peter in Aramaic, but John, the gospel writer, wrote the word down as agape. Do you agape me more than these? Interesting that Peter replies, yes, Lord, you know I love you. But it isn't agape that Peter loves Jesus with. He says, I phileo you. And so Jesus asks him again, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Do you agape me? And once again, Peter says, I phileo you. And then Jesus says, Simon, son of John, the third time he says, do you phileo me? Am I like your best friend? And Peter says, you know that. You know everything. You know that I phileo you. Now, why did Jesus change from agape to phileo? Because Jesus wanted Peter to love with that self-sacrificing, self-giving love that Jesus himself had. But Peter couldn't do that at that moment. Why? Because the Holy Spirit hadn't come yet. And we'll talk more about that in a moment. But as I mentioned, agape is not natural. Eros, storge, and phileo are. The most fallen and depraved human beings experience eros, storge, and even phileo. But only those who have been redeemed by Jesus, what Jesus called have been born again, actually can give agape. As Pastor Alex reminded us when he spoke about eros, he said, when a person says, I love tacos, I love Jesus, I love my wife, we hope that, we, that he means that he loves his wife more like he loves Jesus than he loves tacos, right? But the reality is, eros is natural between a husband and wife. It was given by God between a husband and wife. But agape is the highest form of love and can only be practiced when we belong to Jesus, when we've been born again and have the Spirit of God living in us. When the Apostle Paul wrote his first letter to the Corinthian church, he talked about spiritual gifts. And he listed many helpful gifts that would, first of all, serve God, that would serve each other, and that would build up his church, his body. So at the end of the presentation, Paul wrote these words. He said, so you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. But now let me show you a way of life that is best of all. Paul had listed some gifts, spiritual gifts, prophecy, the ability to perform miracles, to heal other people, the gift of tongues, the gift of interpretation of tongues. And those are sort of the top gifts. And he said, you know, you should earnestly desire those greater gifts. However, there's a better way even than living out those, experience, those special gifts. In fact, he said, it's the best way. 
We're about to read that chapter, and if you've ever been to a wedding, I mean, if you've been to two weddings, you've heard this scripture read. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and the reason you've heard it read is because everyone somehow knows inside that if we're going to really have a kind of love that lasts forever, that puts the other one first, it's going to be that agape love of Jesus. So before we turn to 1 Corinthians 13, let's consider something important about these four loves. Eros, storge, and phileo are instinctive and na- or natural. They grow stronger or weaker over time. They may be anchored in feelings. Agape is a supernatural action, and it doesn't rely on feelings. So some of you might be thinking right now, wait a minute. Are you telling me that no one can do what's best for another person all the time if he or she's not a Christian? Well, what about all the people down through history who have sacrificed their lives, done selfless things for other people? Well, let's think about that for a minute. We've all heard about a mother who has, at great risk to her own life, saved her child's life. Is that agape? Well, it could be agape. But actually, have you ever watched the video where you see a a fox with its cubs? um, Pups? Yeah, pups. And there's a bear attacking. And that mother fox will attack a bear, which is not a very smart thing for a fox to do, out of storge, because that's the natural thing to do. What about whenever a soldier gives his or her life in battle? Doesn't that have to be agape? No. That could be phileo, or it could be storge, or it actually could even be eros. The reality is, there are people in the world who say that nobody, no human being ever does anything that's selfless, that all of us are just selfish beings and if we do something for somebody else, it's because we think we're gonna get something back. And that would be true if God had not intervened in our lives and given us agape. So let's go back to the time before sin entered the world. The first two chapters of Genesis and the last two chapters of the book of Revelation are the only place in the entire Bible where we see the world as it was supposed to be, perfect. God created Humanity, actually, after he created the universe, he created a man and a woman. He told them to be fruitful and multiply and subdue the earth and have dominion over it. And you realize they could have been fruitful and multiplied if all they had was eros, storge, and phileo. But that's not what God was talking about. We know that God is love and we know that God was in perfect relationship with them. And it says in Genesis 2 that everything was very good. So we can assume that God had given his agape and Adam and Eve could return it and that they could share it with each other because everything was perfect at that time. But then, Eve and Adam succumbed to the serpent's temptation to be like God. Look at what we read right before Eve ate the forbidden fruit. She saw the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. The tree and the fruit appealed to Eros and Eve. Right? I mean, if I say I love tacos, I'm talking about eros. I'm not talking about agape. And so she saw the fruit. It looked beautiful. It was delicious. She thought she could become wise. So Eve and Adam's disobedience broke the perfect harmony that they held with God and with each other. From that moment forward, this is the key. The natural loves would rule in human beings and distorted versions of those unless God's spirit intervened and brought agape. Remember, the natural loves aren't bad. They were created by God. God created eros. God created storge. God created phileo. They're not bad in and of themselves. But here's what happens. What happens is the devil and the world and even our own fallen natures take good things 
and they twist them and change them into bad things. Let's turn now to what is often called the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. Before, that, before we do that, pray with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that you created our universe, that you created us in love, in agape. And God, I thank you even more that when we rejected you, when we decided that the, the lower loves, eros, storge, and phileo were enough, you showed us that they aren't. You came in your son, Jesus Christ, who lived a perfect life and who gave his life so that we can have new life. And he did all of that out of agape. God, I pray right now that as we read these words, that your Holy Spirit would speak them into our hearts in a way that we're changed from the inside out and that we live out your agape with each other, toward you, and with everybody that we meet. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So Paul wrote, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. So the Paul, Apostle Paul offers four contrasts to agape in this brief passage. First of all, he says there's agape, but then there's the ability to speak in tongues. And not just tongues, but all of the tongues of the earth and even angels. And then he said, secondly, I could prophesy and know all the mysteries and secret plans of God. Third, I could have so much faith that I could take a mountain and just move it. Or fourth, I could have such generosity and self-sacrifice that I'd give everything away and even give up my life. And he said, if we do all of those things, we speak in tongues, we prophesy, we have great faith, and we sacrifice everything, we do all of those things, but we don't have agape, he says we're nothing. And we gain nothing. Why would he say that? Well, he says that because even though the greatest spiritual gifts ever given will do great things unless, and this is the key, our underlying motivation for what we do is God's agape, our motives are always tainted by sin. Now look at that statement again because it makes a powerful claim. Unless our underlying motivation for what we do is God's agape, our motives are always tainted by sin. Now, you might be thinking, Pastor Chris, are you saying that if someone isn't born again, whatever they do is tainted by sin? That's an excellent question. Before we answer it, let's remember what sin actually is. Pastor Alex reminded us that the Hebrew word for sin, hata, means to fail or miss the goal. In the New Testament, the Greek word for sin is hamartia. It means to miss the mark. The definitions are really close, aren't they? You see, we often think that sin means doing something terrible like murdering somebody or robbing a bank. But sin from God's perspective is simply not doing it quite right. In fact, if you think of missing the mark, what if you're, you're shooting at a target with a bow and arrow or a gun? And you know how the target, there's always a center ring and there's an out, outside ring. If you hit that arrow on the line of the, the center target, you've sinned because you've missed the mark, that's what it's about. All the natural loves, eros, storge, and phileo, are tainted by the fall. We don't get them quite right. Sin puts its mark on everything we do until we respond to Jesus' gift of salvation, until we acknowledge that he was perfect, 
And in his perfection, he died on the cross to pay the penalty that we owed God for failing and missing the goal or the mark time and time again. Sometimes Christians seek to focus on sexual sins or hypocrisy or hate or other really bad sins, don't we? Because if we do that, then we can sort of feel good about ourselves. But in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, Paul said, For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. We could simply put it this way. We have fallen short. We have all missed the goal. We have all missed the mark set by God. None of us has all the spots on our dominoes. Not one of us. We have no right to point our fingers at somebody else who's sinning because all of us have sinned. But once we're born again, the Holy Spirit comes into our lives and lives inside of us. The agape love of God resides inside of us through his spirit. So we can love whether we mean agape or phileo or storge or eros more fully than anyone who has not yet lived into the new life that Jesus gives us. The reason I put can, the reason I underlined the word can, we can do that, but we don't necessarily we don't necessarily, just because we're born again, start living out of agape and loving in an eros way, storge way, and phileo way better than somebody who doesn't know Jesus. Remember what Erin said last week when she was talking about phileo? She said that Jesus said this, you are my friends if you do what I command. So in other words, what Jesus was saying is, you can be born again, but if you don't live in obedience to his commands, you're not Jesus' friend. Phileo isn't part of it or agape isn't part of it unless you do what he commands. So we can trust Jesus and not yet move in the direction that this passage tells us about and really the entire New Testament tells us about. You know, one of the reasons I'm talking about this and really f drilling down on it is because for years and years and years, I have felt that there are a lot of people who want to have light Christianity. You know, it's sort of like light beer, less calories, Less filling, may or may not taste great. You know, people want light Christianity, but it isn't the real thing. The real thing is heavy. The real thing is difficult. The real thing is challenging. The Apostle Paul told us what happens when the Holy Spirit comes to live inside us because we've been united with Jesus. When we read the word love in these next few verses, the word is agape every single time. So instead of love, I'm going to just put agape in there where the word love appears or where it appears. So I'm going to say this. Agape is patient and kind. Agape is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Agape does not demand its own way. Agape is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. Agape does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Agape never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. As we read those words, did you think nobody can do that? <laughs> it's not possible. And, and you're right, really, no one can do that in our own power. And, and I've heard people say, pastors in particular have read this passage and said to the, to the church family, you know, when you read that passage, you should put your name in there. So I'm, I'm going to show you what I mean. So it says, it would say this, Chris is patient and kind. Chris is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Chris does not demand his own way. Chris is not irritable and Chris keeps no record of being wronged. Chris does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices when the truth wins out. Chris never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Really? I mean, if you've known me 15 minutes or more, you know that Chris doesn't always do all of those things and not do the things that you're not supposed to do. Chris doesn't do that all the time because even after following him for 54 years, 
I haven't yet surrendered and submitted completely to Jesus' lordship in my life, to the Holy Spirit's leading, and to the heavenly Father's creative work all the time. I still miss the mark. I still miss the goal. I still fail. I don't want to pretend that Chris is all of those things, but I do cling to the truth that agape is all of those things. And with the Holy Spirit living in me, that agape has been, is, and will be transforming me more and more into the likeness of Jesus. And day by day, I pray that agape will be evident in me. And that's my prayer for everyone in this room today. Paul was so sure that agape was the best gift God gave us that he wrote this. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. Of course, prophecy and tongues and special knowledge will become useless. When we stand in front of Jesus, we won't need any of those things. His agape will be enough. If Jesus were standing right here, he came back today and he stood right here, we would experience his agape in an incredible way. In fact, Paul says this, now our knowledge is partial and incomplete and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. There are many Christians the world over who have used those words to contend that the active work of the Holy Spirit in giving special words of knowledge, prophecy, tongues, and so on has ended because the time of perfection or the perfect has already come. They believe that that time came when the 66 books of the Bible were completed. Now that's a message for another day, but I want you to look what the text actually says and answer this question. Do you think the time of perfection or the perfect has come? The perfect's Jesus, and Jesus hasn't come. But when he does, I'll tell you what, the day Jesus comes back, I'm never speaking in tongues again. The day Jesus comes back, I don't need any special revelation from God to know anything, and we won't need to worry about healing or miracles because everything will be perfect. Here's the key in Paul's word. He said, when I was a child, I spoke and I thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. Three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. The reason agape is the most important gift and best gift that God gives us is it's eternal. When we were children, we didn't even know what we didn't know. I mean, how many things, when we were little kids, we, we didn't know a lot about a lot. And what Paul says is, when I grew up, I put the childish stuff behind me, and, and he said this, we're going to be different. When we were children, we lived solely on the basis of eros and storge and phileo. Even now that we know Jesus as Savior and Lord, we still have only a tiny glimpse of what it's going to be like to stand face to face with Jesus. But we do know for sure, that when we do stand face to face with him, his agape will be so tangible that everything else will fade away. Please think about what I just said. Jesus' agape, when he's standing here, we're standing in front of him, is going to be so tangible that everything else will fade away. In that instant, we are going to know by experience the fullness of Jesus' sacrifice for us. We talk about the cross, we look at the cross, but when we stand in front of Jesus, the nail prints are still going to be in his hands. And in his feet, we're going to experience his love in a way we've never experienced before. If we ever doubt that Jesus has our best interest at heart, in that moment, we won't doubt it anymore. We will know beyond any doubt. But here's the key. 
in this life before Jesus returns. We can live out the agape we will experience through Jesus forever as we let the Holy Spirit rule in our lives. That agape is not going to look amazing. It's going to look like simple little things. It's going to look like simple acts of service for one another. It's going to look like submitting to one another in our relationships. It's going to mean surrendering our natural desires for Jesus' greater good in our lives. I mean, occasionally we might lay down our life for a friend once. But most of the time it's going to be simple little things like just showing up and being there. Sometimes that's all that it means to practice agape. The amazing thing is, agape sounds so hard to do when we read about it and we think of doing it in our own power. That's because it's not just hard to do, it's impossible to do in our own power. But when the Holy Spirit gives us, uh, when the Holy Spirit comes in and lives inside of us, and agape then becomes a reality that we experience. You know that's interesting? The Apostle Paul told the Corinthians, there are three gifts, spiritual gifts, that last forever. Faith, hope, and love. The greatest is love. Agape. But then he told the Galatian Christians, there are nine aspects of the fruit of the Spirit. The first one is love. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So when we are born again, when the Holy Spirit comes and lives in our, our lives, we have the potential for the spiritual gift of love and the fruit of love, agape, to reign in our lives. So that makes it possible for us to do today's next step. I will love agape others by serving them in Jesus' name. I'm not talking about being good Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts and doing a good turn daily. I'm talking about surrendering our lives to Jesus and calling on the Holy Spirit to fill us and give us a a new power every single day and then investing our lives and obeying Him when He calls us to act. And again, small acts. Every single day. And when we do that, you know what's going to happen out there in the world? The world is going to see Jesus in us because they will see his agape coming through us. And that is Jesus' only plan for the world to come to know him. His love through us in words and actions changes the world. Amen? So I referred to being born again a couple of times in the message. And uh, Jesus met with a guy named Nicodemus, who was a Pharisee, a religious leader among the Jews. And Nicodemus came to talk to Jesus, and he was buttering Jesus up. And Jesus just got right to the point. He said, nobody can have eternal life unless you're born again. And being born again is simple. And and I've been saying this, and it's sort of... This is the third time I'm saying it. It's as simple as being born the first time physically. Now, I don't know how simple it is for us to be born. I know it's not simple for the mother. But, I mean, I don't remember anything about being born, but I think it was pretty easy. I just popped out, and there I was. Right? But the rest of life gets harder. After you're out there, it gets harder. And, and every day of life, you know, there's a challenge. There's, a, there's something going on that makes it difficult. And that's sort of like being born again. Being born again is simple. In fact, we say it's so simple that it's as simple as A, B, and C. A is we admit. We admit that we're sinners. We admit we've missed the mark. And and (laughs) we've missed the mark quite a few times. B, we believe that what 
Jesus said about himself is true, that he is Savior, which means rescuer from sin and death, and that he is Lord, which means master, owner, God, and that when we give him our lives, he gives us a new life. We are born again. It's a spiritual birth, Jesus said to Nicodemus in John chapter 3. And then C, we confess to God that Jesus is Savior and Lord in our lives, and we call on God to fill us with the Holy Spirit on a regular basis. So if you're here today and you've never done that, you've never trusted Jesus as Savior and Lord, been born again, and you'd like to do that right now, we're going to pray, and I'm going to pray as if I'm you, and then uh, you can just pray along. The words are not what's important. What's important is the change of ownership from me to Jesus, from you to Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for creating the universe making it perfect. Thank you, God, that when we turned away from you, you did not turn away from us. God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I've missed the mark so many times I can't even remember how many. And God, I believe right now in this instant that the only solution to that is Jesus. I believe that because he's your son. He's perfect. He is the perfect expression of your agape. He is Savior and Lord, and I claim him as Savior and Lord right now. And God, I confess that to you, and I will confess it to others around me, and I, and I will live from this day forward in the power of your Holy Spirit, so please fill me with your Spirit so that I can do that. God, I pray for all of us who have prayed a prayer like that at some point in our life, that right now, that you would renew us, that you would strengthen us that you would fill us once again with your Holy Spirit. Let your agape pour out of us so that the world around us can see you and come to know you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.